Hey everybody, Taylor Kramer here with another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. Let's go. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. I'm always excited for a new episode, but this one uh, for a different reason in the sense that, as I'd explained to her earlier, um, this is the first episode in which I'm featuring someone that I didn't know on a personal level before I reached out to them regarding an interview. And um, I discovered or became aware of her through an opinion piece in the Northern Express, which is a publication here in Northern Michigan. Um, And she'd written an article that just really spoke to me and I felt like she was someone that I could really relate to. And we have a very similar sense of purpose. And I tracked down her email and she responded, which uh, doesn't always happen when you reach out kind of cold to some people. Um, And so I'm really excited to have her. So I'm gonna let her now take the time to introduce herself. So go ahead. Hi, I'm Christy Minervini. Um, I'm a 20 year native of Traverse City, originally from Iowa, from Davenport, Iowa. And um, I've been involved in arts and marketing and um, last seven or eight years pretty heavily involved in homelessness in our community and Mm -hmm. trying to find a solution for it, but also involved with human rights. I'm on the Human Rights Commission here in Traverse City, and I've just stepped down as chair of the um, Arts Commission here in Traverse City, the Public Arts Commission. Mm other involvements, I'm the chair of a group called Woman to Woman TC, which is kind of a political action group here, um, comprised mainly of women, and we've got 2,600 followers, so I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, I keep myself busy, and I, I definitely feel um, connected to my community, and uh, I'm super excited to be with you today. Yeah, awesome. Well, I just learned a ton about you, too, uh, just <laughs> from that. You're involved in a lot more stuff than I'd even um, imagined. And so... I want to get started um, in regards to your business life. And so you are a business owner. Can you explain what your business is and then maybe how you got your start? Absolutely. So I own a business called Sanctuary Handcrafted Goods. It's at the Village at Grand Traverse Commons, which is a 130-year-old former mental hospital here in Traverse City. My husband and his dad are actually the redevelopers. And so um, it was a no-brainer when I was looking to start a gallery that I was going to locate it there. And Um, worked um, prior to starting my business uh, for Traverse Magazine here in sales and marketing and um, but with a degree in art and design and English from the University of Iowa I've always had this kind of secret passion to um, to start a gallery or to own a gallery and promote artists um, specifically handcrafted items and jewelry and so forth so I've been doing it since 2004 Um, a year and a half ago I had a, a a pretty major remodeling and rebranding. I was formerly um, called Gallery 50 because we represented artists from all 50 states and that um, became pretty cumbersome um, to manage um, the number of artists that we were representing and um, the logistics of getting the work here and so forth. So um, I did the rebranding and remodeling in January of 2017 and um, haven't looked back. It's been great. I'm recharged Mm -hmm. after 14 years. Um, recharged about my business again and feeling really positive about yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. So it wore you down a little bit just because there was that logistical yeah, stuff? Yeah, that and also too, it kind of felt like same song 12th verse, mm-hmm. same song 13th verse. You know, right. even though I was always bringing in new artists, it just felt very um, stale to right. me. And as the owner, you know, um, you need to be passionate about what you're doing. And I did feel um, like the business was getting away from me, that um, it wasn't what I originally intended it to be. And, you know, I think you need to be, as a business owner, you need to be um, nimble and and be able to react to trends. Um, But at at a certain point, you know, when I um, would go to open my gallery in the morning, I'd think, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. You know, this is not what I set out to do. Right. So I, I really was appreciative of the opportunity to um, time, kind of recreate myself and the business yeah. and um, feeling really positive about it. Yeah, awesome. I'd actually went, um, we call it a shop or a store I, or know, I, a gallery. I used to be very sensitive about yeah. that, but I call it a store all the time. Okay. So. All right. Well, store, <laughs> gallery. Or, Some people okay. call it a, bo- a boutique. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had, um, after I'd reached out to her regarding an interview and she'd agreed, 
I thought I'd better get over there and check out what was going on, and it was awesome. There's so many great handcrafted goods, and I think when people hear artists, they maybe automatically go to painting. Right. There's so much more there, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that I walked in there and didn't think I needed, and then I was like, I wish I had a little bit. <laughs> That's what we like. Yeah. We love yeah. it when that happens. Really cool. Um, we we offer um, lots of what we call like functional craft or functional art serving pieces. Um, gifts that maybe you would give for an anniversary or for a wedding. Um, I've really been um, honing in on um, gifts that um, men would like or mm -hmm. could use. So we kind of created a bar area in the store. Um, beautiful hand-turned wood bowls and um, um, little decorative items. And, and then we've supplemented the, the uh, curating of the store with kind of lifestyle um, books and mm. note cards and things like that that would appeal mm. to to, uh, to our customers. So I'm really proud of it. And I have to tell you a supreme compliment that mm. happened that same weekend that yeah. you were in. Um, there was a group of women that came through, and um, they must have been like a bachelorette party. We get a lot of those yeah. Th yeah. through the comments. And so they had looked all through all four rooms, and then they came back through, and one of the girls look, looked up past the counter to the sign behind me, and she said, Oh, sanctuary! I get it, mm -hmm. and that to me that just made me feel so great because that's what I'm trying to create—that um, that experience of going into some place that has a real sense of calm, and with beautiful things, and um, of course, handcrafted is you know almost like religion to me. So. Yeah, yeah, and um, I know that you'd said, or I, I read somewhere where you kind of explained the meaning of sanctuary for mm -hmm. you, um, and then just as you walk into the shop, and I know a lot of people that listen to this, Traverse City is kind of their vacation spot, so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to encourage all of them to go visit. Um, but it's kind of like you'd said that sense of calm, and so I immediately, when I walked in, felt like I was at my grandparents' house because they've spent the last 50, 60 years collecting mm -hmm. kind of handcrafted stuff sure. on their travels or whatever, and the walls and the shelves are filled. And um, so both for them and for me, it is like a place of mm -hmm. calm. Like that's always kind of the place where you recenter. Um, and meet up with the same people that you've always mm -hmm. met up with. And uh, so I definitely got that vibe. Um, the one question I had for you, um, you'd kind of explained what your shop contains. Is it really important for you to provide a platform for crafters and artists to actually sell their goods? Like Absolutely. Without them, I don't exist. And, mm -hmm. and really from very early on, I've had an appreciation for artists and craftspeople beyond what they produce. And, and in my own work, I've made jewelry for years. In my own work, it's been more about the process than the product. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I would, it, it's, um, you've heard like people talking about like they go into the zone mm -hmm. or, the fl or about flow. Have yeah, you heard flow about state, flow? yeah. So for me, it's a very meditative process, mm -hmm. you know, the beating and the making of the jewelry and that sort of thing. And so I, I appreciate that. And also too, when people come in and say, oh, I could make that, I always in the back of my mind think, but you didn't. Right. And you know, that's that's the thing that separates artists and craftspeople from the rest of us is that they not only have the, the creativity and, and the ability, but they also have the drive to produce and to create. Yeah. And um, that to me is a magical combination. Yeah, that's funny. We didn't even plan this, but you jumped right into something that um, I'd been trying to push in terms of like my Instagram and my, um, just one of my overall uh, views in life, because as I've done this podcast, um, I've kind of, kind of reshaped who I am too. And it's helped me hold myself accountable for mm -hmm. personal growth and stuff like that. But one of the hashtags I have um, on Instagram that I think I'm the only one that uses it so far, but um, is doing and creating. Mm -hmm. I and it. I think a lot of times we, um, you know, relegate the the creators to, you know, painters or writers, mm -hmm. but it's not always like that. Um, and I think to be happy or to find your sense of purpose, you have to do both. So you have to not just have these thoughts up in your head, but carry it out. So mm -hmm. you mentioned like the discipline that it takes. Well, I talk a lot about beauty and, you know, I'll, uh, if I have a headstone, it will it will say mm -hmm. you know life is beautiful because I I, I see it everywhere, mm -hmm. and I think that um, a lot of people will come into the store and they'll say oh every, they're so creative you know I wish I was more creative and and I'll always say like your life is your creation mm -hmm. right yeah. so how are you living your life are you living a beautiful life right and um, or if I um, you know if I'm having a conversation with a friend and and they say something that really touches me I'll just I'll say like you have a beautiful heart mm -hmm. you know 
you are a beautiful person. Yeah. And um, so, I, I mean, that, that idea of, of beauty and, again, with the handcrafted, the, mm-hmm. the idea that somebody else with their, with their own hands um, made this very special thing for me or for yeah. my loved one is um, hugely important. And also, too, I've spent a lot of time thinking about objects, you know, and, like, those, those things that are handed down from generation mm-hmm. to generation or... My my husband's kind of he's a bit of a hoarder. Um, mm-hmm. We have very opposite um, yeah. <laughs> sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But for him, it's that tangible piece of the, I went to this concert in 1982, yeah. and I've got this T-shirt mm-hmm. to show for it, and he's not going to part with that T-shirt. Right. So you know, was it handcrafted? No, but it's a very tangible piece of history and our personal histories and our family histories. The quilt that our grandmother made, the bowl that my grandfather turned. Um, the the needlepoint that my stepmom made mm-hmm. for me, you know, yeah. so those I think they're they're really important and and I um, have been discouraged by this trend I see in gift giving where it's okay to give somebody a Target gift card mm-hmm. or a Best Buy gift card. Guilty. Like yeah. and when five years from now when you're looking at your stereo, are you going to remember even who gave you the right. money to buy that mm-hmm. versus the handcrafted, you know, yeah. piece that you're keeping you're holding on to. So. Yeah, I agree. And that, that was my next question is what makes owning uh, handcrafted goods so special? So you have it mm-hmm. both like you're spending a lot of time, you know, um, in, at your job around right. handcrafted goods, but you also have obviously an appreciation oh, for yeah. them. Absolutely. Um, in your personal I like to, life. I joke about it that, you know, in, in the objects that I use on a daily basis, I, I, I want them to have a thumbprint on them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my, you yeah. know, what I'll say is like, I want to be able to see that um, that it was made by hand, preferably in America, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, there's certainly talented people um, creating things outside of the U.S. And um, and again, I mean, I just feel like that that this piece, whether they've made 15 of them, that it was made for me, mm-hmm. and that it's unique to me and to my family. And I, I cl- collect art as well, and have for close to 20 years yeah. since my husband and I've been married. Um, we had an apartment full of framed maps that over the years we replaced with original artwork and what I always um, felt about the artwork is that that was a reflection of us and our personality and our values mm-hmm. and what we loved and what we thought was beautiful and so anybody coming into our house is going to get an idea of, of who we are and yeah. um, you know what we stand for. So. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's cool because, you know, handcrafted goods have the story that they're bringing with them from the creator, mm-hmm. but then also, obviously, it moved you in such a way to buy it. Um, that's what I'm saying. I, I always feel like it's made for me. Mm-hmm. And, again, working with a customer, I might have somebody come in and, and um, they're looking at a piece and they love it, and, you know, I can I can see the gears moving, like, where would I put it? or. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they'll read the title and they'll connect with it because oh my gosh, they vacation at this beach every summer, and this is a painting of that exact beach that yeah. they go to, or or whatever. So when I say that, I mean made for them. I'll always say this was meant for you. Mm-hmm. And um, and and another thing I'd like to say is um, buyer's remorse is not about what you bought; it's about what you you didn't buy. Because I have customers come back year after year after year looking to replace the piece that they saw. That they didn't buy that went to somebody else right and so um, anyway yeah that's probably the other aspect of unique items is that it's not like you're getting a huge shipment of those no, same things every, absolutely not yeah yeah okay. um, and you know and artists too they go through phases of, of, of inspiration so uh, I, I recently had a kind of a best-selling thing at the store and it sounds silly but it was this uh, it was a tape measure that was that looked like a little stone pebble and it was hand carved and you couldn't even see the seam of where they put the tape measure in hmm. it. And um, I had a gal in the store earlier today and she wanted to buy some for gifts and I said, we don't have them anymore. Well, when will you get them in again? I said, they're not making them anymore. Yeah. Like he'd done that and now he's moved on to something else. So, um, you know, yeah, happens. Yeah, that's Just gotta good... roll with it. All right, that's a good sales pitch too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know you're pulling stuff out of me too in the sense that, um, I'd been really trying to appreciate those objects and those items that have a story and that will last. And so um, I've also been considering, like, what am I going to leave behind? As I had a grandmother pass away um, pretty recently, within the last year, year and a half. Um, And so she left me some things, like this painting that she gave me when I was younger, and I didn't quite appreciate it like I should have. And now I have a story with that um, because this painting that she gave me at the time I was really into, like, uh, Native American culture. 
And so she gave me this painting of these Native Americans kind of looking off this ridge on their horses. And I, you know, like a kid, I looked at it for a couple minutes and like thought sure. that was great and then um, kind of lost track of it. It got buried in my room and there was a scratch that had gotten because I wasn't treating it properly. And I've actually shared this on my blog, but my grandma was wondering why it wasn't hung up or whatever one day. And so she grabbed that picture and saw the scratch, took it home, and she had kind of painted it in oh, as best she I love could. It. Yeah, That's and great. Um, covered it in bubble wrap, and then just gave it back to me for another birthday. <laughs> as and so she recycled the gift, <laughs> That's awesome. but this time with a disclaimer where she was like, "Hang this up when you're ready to take care of it," mm-hmm. because it was her dad's. And it was really important, and now it's my favorite picture. Well, I love have. it that she repaired it herself, too, because you can probably see where she repaired it. And exactly. Now, like, there's a piece of her in that painting, yep. too, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah, That's it was awesome. a really, really cool gift. And then I gave my wife a gift. Um, I think I did get the box from Target, but it was, like, <laughs> when we first started dating, so eight, nine years ago. And um, I just wanted, like, a memory box. So I have things from our first movie we went to, the tickets, to, you know, whatever plane tickets we've had on vacation since then, Um, you know, as something that maybe our future children can look at and appreciate Um, or just put in the basement for the next person. I don't know. But um, it makes me feel good to have something like that to pass on. I think that's what makes handcrafted goods so awesome. My next question would be, um, is there a favorite item that you have, or is it, like, impossible to pick just one? It's like asking me to choose among Mm -hmm. my children. Right. No, I mean, and really, there there isn't anything in the store that I wouldn't have in my own home. Um, When I had Gallery 50, I found myself making compromises, like, well, I don't love it, but I'm sure my customers will, Mm -hmm. and so I'll bring this in. And then, of course, it didn't sell because I wasn't passionate about it. And so, um, you know, maybe five or six years into owning the 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 gallery, I started being more um, confident in my own mm-hmm. curating and my own decision making. And when artists or customers would say, "Well, how do you choose what to put in the store?" I'd say, "What Christie likes. Mm-hmm. It's that easy." It make, so it's hard for me to, to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, we do. I do represent a local artist. Um, well, he's from Elk Rapids. His name is Scott Nellison. We've represented him pretty close since day one. He does sand casting with aluminum and bronze and these mm-hmm. really cool um, um, figures and kind of, he does some cool sci-fi stuff and um, really unique banks and that. And I, I really, really enjoy showing those. Um, I think that they're, they're representative of the quality of things that I um, strive to carry at the store. and. Um, it doesn't hurt that he's a, a really decent human mm-hmm. being. So yeah, yeah. What about at your home? Is there anything that like sticks out to you that is your favorite or up there? My very the first top? painting. Yeah, it's hanging above the the fireplace, and it's a funny story. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get like too far <laughs> into it, and I'll try to make it brief. But I was working at Travers Magazine. My husband and I had only been married a couple years. I would drive down Front Street every day towards um, Travers Magazine to work, and in the front window of Todd McMillan's frame shop. Um, downtown he had this beautiful uh, painting in a, a, in a cherry frame and I w- every day I drive by and I'd look for my painting mm-hmm. well one day I drove by and it wasn't there and I called him in a panic where's my painting and he said well let me start by saying when you call something it yours you need to buy it right <laughs> and he said and it sounds like you, you really want it and it was it was eight hundred dollars and mm-hmm. well I don't have I didn't have eight hundred dollars I didn't have eighty dollars and he um, he said well let's do this I'll let you put it on layaway you can just put a little bit of money on it each month until you pay it off awesome it took us over a year to pay it off but I like the story because he worked with me to connect me with something that I really loved and to make it work Mm -hmm. and also too that it's a really beautiful um, landscape of a two-track I'm from Iowa I love the idea of our agricultural paintings and um, themes and it it really connected with me it's actually a Russian painter but Yeah. yeah That's yeah. probably, if, if the house was on fire, I'd probably grab that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I have a couple items in my house. Um, like my grandfather, he's a carver, so he carves uh, mostly birds, but he'll carve different animals. And um, they're good by anybody's standards. He picked it up once he retired, um, and he's just gotten like better and better. He's been retired, I don't remember, maybe like 10 or 15 years. And he just keeps improving, which is really cool to see somebody that's that awesome. age like continue to excel. Um, as he's picking up 
you know, different species of birds and trying to figure out what positions to put them in. But he has a, he carved us a dove and he gives it uh, to every grandchild. And um, I think all his um, daughters and sons have one as well, but he gives them to every grandchild for their wedding. And so it's a dove perched upon a cross um, with like a stand. And so that's one of my favorite things. I just know the hours and I've been in his workshop and seen how long it takes him to do it. And then um, a more recent one is I have a friend, he's actually was on the podcast and so he's a carpenter. And I found this picture on Pinterest um, of this wine rack that wasn't a run of the mill wine rack. It had weird angles and, um, and I was like, that would be cool to have. I wonder if he can make it. And so I just sent him a picture. There were no measurements included or anything. And he whipped that up for us and he refuses to accept payment for wow. it. Um, and so I just know that's going to be something that is for sure going to be in our house for a really long time. Yeah. And it's like, it's got a functional use too. So it's not just beautiful. It also is yeah. a wine rack, which yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. Perfect for, mm-hmm. for living up here. I'm trying to think of what other um, items I might have, but we're in the beginning stages of our collecting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So we I have to... some handcrafted furniture, which um, is awesome. You know, and ninety percent of what we have in our home are Northern Michigan artists and crafts people because mm-hmm. I've represented so many people over the years, and and I, um, I kind of I'm kind of a collector, and so I, I want to have a piece of them and. One of my favorite painters, his name is Dan Oberschulte, also from Traverse City. Again, represented him for a really long time. He painted a self-portrait of himself under mm. a tree with a paintbrush and a canvas. And because I love him as mm. a person, and and because um, it, it was such a beautiful painting, you know, I was really happy to buy it from him. And he couldn't believe it. He's like, "Why would you want a picture of me?" And I'm like, "Because you're awesome, and I love you, and yeah, you know, and I'm proud cool. to represent you." So that's yeah. Yeah, it's cool that you're in a position to, I think, art and handcrafted goods and things similar to that can connect people. And so, like, while this is your job, there's a lot of personal interaction taking place. I I like to say that I didn't get into this to be a retailer. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't imagine owning a 7-Eleven and, like, you sell out of the toothpaste on the bottom shelf. And so I reorder and I put that crust exactly where it was, you know. The week before, I, I, I would lose my mind. I mean, the thing that keeps me charged up and excited about my business is the um, relationships that I have with the people that I represent. Yeah, and as I was researching on your website, you have like a um, like feature, I don't know how to say it, but it's called Meet Your Maker. Meet, Explain yes, what that is. is. Yeah, I like that. Um, so um, I w- I'm really trying to create a sense among my customers and the community at large that they're not buying a thing, that it's created by a person. And so it, it was just a, a kind of wild brainstorm that I had a few months ago, and we're calling it Meet Your Maker. So I've got a photo of the artist and then two photos of, um, of what they make, mm-hmm. and then like a two-paragraph bio. One is um, a description of them and what they do, and then one is a, a direct quote from them about what, um, you know, what makes them tick and why they do what they do. So um, I think we're like in our eighth week of, of doing it and the response has been really good. Yeah, I think it's that personal connection mm-hmm. type of thing that really works. Do you get ever get like those uh, artists that don't feel comfortable like explaining why they made something or about themselves? Yes, or? yes. I, um, very early on, again, I'm, I keep referencing painters, which is funny because that's not, it's only 20% of my business, yeah. but I represented a painter here um, who uh, was in his early 20s. He was a house painter, and in in the evening, he would take the leftover house paint from the jobs that he was doing, and he would paint these very abstract um, pictures. And I sold him. I had I had his first show. His, his name was Jake Sposito. He's passed away, unfortunately. Um, but I had a show for him that sold out and you know I, I kept leaning on him I need an artist statement I need a bio and he's I really don't want to do that I don't want to do that so I tried to interview him you know to, to write something and and literally his his artist statement said I like to paint <laughs> that sums it up yeah it's funny how some people are like that they just maybe they're just so focused on the task or just I don't know or they yeah. don't want to like toot their own horn he was or very very modest yeah 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 I think that so. that's interesting um, I guess as we wrap up kind of that handcrafted goods section, um, I want to move into some more of what you'd mentioned. You're involved in the, with the homeless population. Mm-hmm. You're very passionate, I think, about um, 
the welfare of other people basically yeah. is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And so we can talk about some of your uh, philanthropic ventures. Uh, can you explain a little bit, maybe more in regards to the opinion piece sure. that you wrote about what you did and what stemmed Yeah, all that? absolutely. So um, I've, I've had the, the store at the Commons, like I said, since 2004. In 2008, we had an amazing year sales-wise. There were a lot of things that contributed to that, but I, at the end of the year, had a lot of money left over. And um, at the time, there was another gallery downtown, uh, Traverse City, called the Bellstone Gallery. The owner was in her early 80s and she was retiring. So she contacted me and said, would you be interested in picking up any of my artists? Um, And I said, I think I can do better than that. I think I can buy your business. And so I I thought it was a no-brainer, ideal location where Morsels, the coffee shop is downtown on the river, beautiful little building. and uh, knew like two weeks into it that I'd made a huge mistake. Hmm. I was getting a fraction of the foot traffic there um, that I was getting at the Commons and my expenses were a lot more. But um, so it was a a very hard time in my life. I was there, I tried to make it work for two years. Hmm. And um, and, you know, as I mentioned in the column, I'd been having some marital problems. And so it was just a really kind of dark period in my life. Um, but I would come to the store in the morning to open and as I was sliding my key in the front door I would kind of rouse a, um, a few a few two or three gentlemen on the back porch that had been sleeping there the night before mm-hmm. and um, you know honestly I was annoyed um, I felt violated um, um, you know don't you know this is private property you know all that sort of thing uh, but they were extremely um, apologetic and civil and we'll get out of your way we're really sorry and I'm like oh no no that's okay I kind of backed off you know well as September and October turned into November and it's getting cold and it's snowing you know it it was really weighing on me that where are these guys going and why are they sleeping outside and Traverse City is not a third world country why do we have anybody living on the street Mm -hmm. and but really just over and over again like we ought to do something about this we ought to do something about this and and uh, I wish I could tell you what switched in me or what caused it but one day I'd had enough and I was like we as me get off your butt learn about it you know be part of the solution and um, and so again it was um, a difficult time for me to be um, committing that kind of time when I was struggling to save my business and running a, another one at the Commons and trying to repair my marriage and you know there was a lot happening. It was not convenient at all for me to be learning about homelessness and, and trying to be involved um, in uh, in ending it. Um, but I felt compelled to do it. So um, studied the issue for a few months, talked to everybody and anyone who knew anything about it, and reached out to Safe Harbor which is our seasonal emergency shelter here, because they were in the news. Their season starts in November. And um, really just um, offering my services. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds so audacious, and I, and I, I, I did, it didn't feel that way. But really um, saying, you know, these are my strengths. This is my experience. I've, I've raised funds in the past. I have some public relations and promotion background. Um, I can write, you know, how can I help? And they're like, your timing could not be any better. We are bursting at the seams in the churches. Um, the, the fire department and uh, the police department are looking the other way um, until we can get a permanent solution, you know, to uh, in a larger facility um, to move into. So that kind of became my crusade and, and others. It certainly wasn't just me. Right. But, um, it and again, um, I naively thought that it would be maybe two years, mm-hmm. and it was almost eight. Right. So it was definitely a commitment. Yeah, for sure. That that was one of my questions, too, is um, I guess what I try to push on people um, is that we can be involved and change our small little surrounding community, which will then help alter society mm-hmm. on a bigger level mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But... We live in a society where you got to go out and get yours and take care of your own. And if they don't fall into that category, then we're not going to really mess with it. And this is just like... That's, I um, call that, I got mine, you get yours. Right. That it really is the mentality. Exactly. And um, it's unbearable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's frustrating for me too, because um, as I mentioned in the initial emails, that is close to my heart. 
with this um, article that you wrote because of previous work experience. So I worked in a um, family shelter, which was one of the few family shelters, um, I think in the state, it was down in East Lansing, where they would keep the family together. They wouldn't just send like the male to a separate shelter or whatever, the male adults. Um, and so, you know, we'd work on skills with them while they're there and try to ensure um, a long-term solution with it. Um, but like you said, I get mine, you get yours. And I think that that's what contributes largely to the homelessness issue is because um, the average person may see a homeless person and think, well, it was probably their own fault that put Or they there. choose to be homeless, right? which is mm-hmm. so untrue. Yeah. And even if they say they choose to be homeless, it's because of their pride. Right. Um, but there are... There, it's a it's a fraction of one percent that mm-hmm. actually choose to be homeless or can only live on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of people want housing, want to want to feel safe, want to feel secure. Um, you know, want to contribute, want right. to make their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a ton. I mean, I, I didn't realize how many misconceptions I had, and it and it wasn't something where. You know, I've always been so enlightened and, and, mm-hmm. and so accepting of people who are homeless. That That's not um, how I was at all. And um, it just, I do feel like that human beings are human beings, though, and that everybody, um, you know, um, deserves some dignity and, yeah. and, and respect. So um, there was a lot of ugliness, and I don't, I don't know how long you've been in our community, but there's there was a lot of ugliness um, from um, surrounding neighborhoods and people in the community that felt threatened by this idea of a homeless shelter coming um, to that location near downtown. And um, so I, I, I spent 80% of my time advocating and 20% of my time fundraising. Mm-hmm. And um, like I said, I, I learned a lot. I will be such an expert the next homeless shelter mm-hmm. we build. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, again, I mean, I have no background in, in social services at all and really, you know, not not much interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I mentioned in the article, too, you know, this is Safe Harbor is a group of 24 churches that come together and had provided rotating shelter one week at one church, one week at the next, and so forth. Um, I have no church. Um, I'm an agnostic and um, felt completely um, welcome and accepted um, by this community. And um, and I think that my personal experience coming into that community made me feel better about the services that Safe Harbor provides because they don't proselytize. And a lot of shelters do. Mm -hmm. And if you've worked in social services, you know that. So it really is a a low barrier, um, come one, come all. Um, we're, we accept you, um, you know, who you are, where you are in, in life right now, and we're going to get you through this crisis point. Yeah. So, um, it, like I said, it made it easy for me to advocate for the, the organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you touch on a couple things there, too, which is just, like, this example I wrote down, um, and it's kind of crass, but it, what's alarming to me is that... Um, I think you get people who are more willing to help cats and dogs almost than There are four help. times as many sh- pet shelters, dog and cat right. shelters in the United States as there are human shelters. Right. And I think that can only be based off people's opinions or ideas of how the homeless got in their situation mm-hmm. as opposed to a dog or a cat didn't have control over their situation. And there are certainly cases where people are at fault for their own mm-hmm. um, situation. But I, I'm of the party where there's always reasons for it. And so what can we do to move from this point on? Yeah. So I studied what's called adverse childhood effects. And again, if you're in social work, you know it's called ACEs. And so over 90% of individuals who are experiencing homelessness have a high ACEs score, which means that they have had very troubled life. Um, you know, maybe suffer, suffered abuse or alcoholism, alcoholism, housing or food insecurity growing up, um, bullying, I mean, all sorts of things that are factors in developing who we are. And so if you're spending your life just trying to survive from one day to the next, when does the, jo- the job searching and home searching and the savings account come in? Mm-hmm. It doesn't come in because you're struggling just to make it to the next day. And it, again, that was very eye-opening for me. Um, people believe that animals are innocent, and so it's really easy to care for and love animals. But you know what? We're all innocent, too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Whether or not you have a criminal sexual conduct on your record or you're coming out of jail or, you know, you're a chronic alcoholic or you've got um, schizophrenia or any of these, um, you know, issues um, that people experiencing homelessness face, you're innocent in this. Can you yeah. make better choices? Absolutely. But I'm not going to say, well, anybody deserves to live on the street. I would much rather see them incarcerated than living on the street. Mm. Yeah, it's like, where can we go from here? You mm -hmm. know, at some point, if you really want to help, you have to stop looking at their past, in a sense. Maybe you can look at it in a way of, oh, well, this is why they're mm -hmm. here. And there's a lot of good reasons. Yeah, to understand. Um, but then we need to go from where we're at to improvement and to mm -hmm. long-term um, stability and stuff like that. I know we, we um, I, I feel like I need to mention this whole idea of housing first, and again, you're, you may be familiar with, but maybe your listeners aren't, and it's this idea, it's exactly what it's, it says, housing first. We need to get people into housing before they address their alcoholism. We need to get people into housing before they address any sort of mental health issues. We need to get them into housing. It's not going to happen while they're living on the street or while they're living in shelter. And we, we know even from our local quote-unquote wet house here in town where um, chronic alcoholics who have been homeless have permanent housing. I think they're housing six or eight guys right hmm. now. That their drinking decreases because they have a permanent home. They're reconnecting with their family. They're getting healthier. You know, living longer and finding purpose in their life. So, it's it's a prime example. I just gave myself chills saying yeah, that. It's go. a prime example of we know that this works, and so we as a community need to make it a priority to find housing for anybody who's living on the street mm -hmm. or who's living on a couch or in a car. Right. Yeah. It's a it's basic needs, and mm -hmm. so um, if we can take care of those, you're exactly right. A lot mm -hmm. of those other aspects of life are going to improve one other job that I held was working with homeless youth. And so what that looked like was um, 18 to 21 year olds. So they had suffered from terrible circumstances in their life, parent dying. I had one whose parent died in, died in his arms because she overdosed. Things that I couldn't even imagine living through and then trying to participate in society. Sure. And um, so with that, the first thing we did when we get a new client, they'd have to call and we'd have to fill out some paperwork or whatever. But I would ask, are you hungry? Do you need something? And that would solve a lot of problems. That would make it that much easier to get through any of the paperwork or have, have them be able to lay out any long-term goals that they have is just to feed them, mm -hmm. to clothe them. You could take them to Walmart, get some new clothes or whatever it was. And so just Shower. taking care of those basic needs. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, I'm just kind of going through the sure. um, article that you had here because a lot of it really stuck out to me. Um, I guess, what would you tell someone who says that they're too busy to engage in, like, extra philanthropic efforts? I'd say, are you too busy to write a check? Because mm -hmm. that's a good way to help, too. Yeah. You know, I, I my personality and, and my husband or anybody else close to me would tell you the same thing, is that I'm, I'm kind of a connector. Mm -hmm. I'm a matchmaker among friends. I mean, I, I really want to find people. Um, I want to match them to you know, what, what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, where they can do the most good, you know, to their perfect mate, whatever. I mean, that's kind of my personality. And so um, if somebody said that they didn't have the time, and I hear that all the time, or that, that you know, serving or, you know, making meals at the shelter or, you know, sitting down and socializing with the guests is not really my thing. And I'm like, well, then there's other things you can do. Mm -hmm. You know, are you, you're a bookkeeper. Can you help us out with that? Oh, can you give us a couple hours on the weekend? Can you mow our lawn mm -hmm. out front of the shelter? Um, can you write a letter to the editor and advocate? Can you? I mean, there's so many things that you can do. And so what I, what I usually would do when somebody says, you know, what if I don't have the time is, um, you know, what are you good at? What, 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 just kind of what I did when I called Safe Harbor. I told them, I can do this, 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 and this. Do you need any of that? Mm -hmm. and, uh, Fortunately and unfortunately, they said, yeah, we need right. all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I think that people are, at their core, really good people. I think that it's a rare person that can find a place for themselves. I think the majority of us need to be asked very specifically, mm -hmm. can you come Saturday night right. and spend the night from 8 p.m. to 6 p.m.? 
and you know check out towels for showers yes I can do that yeah so um, they're not just gonna come to you and say hey what do you need mm-hmm. um, so I I've learned to be very specific about the asking but also to not joking about the writing the check and I think a lot of people feel like oh if I can't write a check for a hundred bucks you know it's not gonna be worth anything it's like we'll take five dollars I won't I can't reveal this person's name and I only mm-hmm. recently met him but we've been we have um, been fundraising for three years now and um, I would see every month well not even every month sometimes twice or three times a month this really random amount of money come through on the um, online donation site fourteen dollars and sixteen cents eighty six dollars and thirty six cents I mean just never the same amount of money and um, he came to a, a fundraiser that we did a year ago in November and I didn't have the guts to ask him, like, what's with the random donations guy, you know? But um, my co-chair and I surmised that he he lived on a very strict budget. And when at the end of that two weeks, when he balanced his checkbook, if there was anything left over, after putting some in savings and taking care of his basic needs, he donated it to Safe Harbor. And to date, he's given over $5,000. Wow, just by chipping away at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, consistency. So again, it doesn't have to be, oh, if I can't give the big gift, it's not going to be a value. But like, he's one of our most value, valued um, contributors, and, and he's kind of doing it on his own terms. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And part of what I do with this podcast is, like, mostly I try to focus on the education. I try not to, um, you know, go too hard on one side of the aisle or the other. But um, I think you get people who choose these um, political parties or these lines and then they feel like they have to affiliate themselves with every aspect of that party and so say you get somebody who's against government assistance programs food stamps sure. all those things and so what I'd encourage if you're somebody who is against those and doesn't quite understand how those function is first to educate yourself and get the proper statistics about who's utilizing those um, but also that's where these donations or these uh, volunteer hours can really come into play is for some of those like nonprofit or for the churches because those are shown to run much more efficiently That's exactly right than big government programs so I mean we do the work on we do the work only on a six-month basis that the Goodwill Inn does on a year-round basis mm-hmm. um, they have a, a 1.5 million dollar a year budget I think our budget's like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. because we have 1800 1750 1750 volunteers who are providing food who are providing staffing and managing and and basically doing the entire operations of the shelter so we contract with goodwill to to do like the professional supervision of the of the shelter but we're able to be a lot leaner and we don't take any government money and there are a lot of other nonprofits out there that operate the same way so um, it's really really important for um, like you said wherever you fall whether you know you're an independent a Democrat or a Republican conservative liberal doesn't really matter like if, if you feel like you you want to know where your money's going do a little bit of research and see because we're um, we are um, comprised of again those 24 local churches and then a few other organizations um, we have we run the gamut in terms of you know, this church is really, really conservative, and this one's more liberal. And I'm, I'm shocked and surprised, but pleasantly surprised that how well everybody gets along and mm-hmm. respects one another. And they just they're focusing on the mission, right? And um, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, so as we kind of covered that on the large scale, I want to get back to kind of more personal. So this one um, paragraph you had, and I'll just read it out loud. Um, is being involved makes us feel less alone, keeps us healthier and happier, and contributes to a more vital and interesting life. We feel connected, useful, appreciated, and safe. It brings inspiration, helps us succeed in our relationships, and allows us to find a way in our life. Most importantly, it provides a sense of purpose. So that's been huge for me, just that word purpose. I think people, maybe they hear it all the time. Um, but for me, when I started to really realize, like, I think what my purpose is, or even sometimes your purpose might just be trying to find your purpose mm-hmm. and you're, um, fulfilling that purpose. So what does that mean for you? Like, um, before you started on this journey of some of those extra efforts that you've been involved in? Yeah, I've always had like a very profound sense of justice, like since I was five years old and, um, you know, 
I, you just have that gut feeling something's right or something's wrong. And if it was wrong, it just didn't sit right with me. And you know, what could I do to fix it? Or you know, how can I speak up or stand up? Um, so I, I mean, that's what really got me into this work was this this feeling of justice. What I didn't realize is that years into it, it would it would grow into purpose. It's not like again uh, a switch flipped and I'm like, oh, I know what my purpose is. I know what my calling is or whatever. No, that's not what happened. It was more just this vigilance that I had and this like like I said, profound sense of of justice and, and this isn't right. And also too, um, a rather naive sense of, hey, there's only a hundred people living on the street in Traverse City. That's a manageable number compared to San Francisco or right. Portland or you know Honolulu. So yeah, we can, we can knock this out. Not realizing that there's gonna be a hundred more people coming in right after the ones that you, know, you just assisted. Mm-hmm. Again, you work in social work, so you know that. I, yeah. I've learned a lot. Um, but the purpose came out of, um, out of doing the work and 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 feeling like I'm I am making a difference and I'm, I always say part of it, of the change because it, um, none of us operates in a vacuum. Um, none of this could have been done without those 1,700 volunteers I was telling you about and a really core group of maybe 30 people that just made this happen. Um, but I, I found a sense of community. I found um, a sense of, like I said, security. Um, it was very nice to be um, around individuals that felt as strongly about the issue as I did. Can I kind of find your tribe? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, again, as time goes by, you feel vested. And so even though I was tired, even though it was a hard time in my life, um, even though my business was suffering, um, I felt like I can't leave now because there's so much work left to do. And so that's purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, it, and I don't think, um, you know, I'm going to go to the grave feeling like I need to um, continue doing what I've done. I've always been more of kind of a startup person. Mm-hmm. But I'm already, I'm very interested in trying to get more involved in affordable housing here in Traverse City which is an incredible need, and um, I'm trying to learn more about that. And I, it ties in with, with homelessness and with the people that we've been serving, but it, it feels like a, 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 an equally large problem that needs addressing. And, and it's not like you just fix one thing and then everything else falls in line. It's kind of like an orchestration. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, to be, you have to be looking at all of these elements to, yeah. um, to see how they're, they're working together. I'm really um, buoyed by um, the collaboration and the the, um, the the partnering that I've seen among agencies in, in Traverse City to tackle this. Um, you know, it used to be everybody was kind of in their own silo and they did their own fundraising and they, oh, well, you know, we're, we're Pete's Place, we only do teens, or oh, we're good, well, mm-hmm. we only, and now everybody's just like, no, we are a, 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 a sheltering system here and um, we're all interdependent um, and um, and all kind of look, looking in the same direction, which I keep saying, housing first. Right. We've got to get people into yeah. housing. So. Yeah, that leads to lasting change. Yeah. Um, we're kind of wrapping up here as far as our time. And so what I want to just remind you guys that are listening of, if you're hearing her speak, it can sound like she's casting a big shadow because of all these things that she's involved in and the really big um, effect that she's had on the community, which is so awesome. But I don't want you guys to feel like you have to live up to that, right? Mm-hmm. And you painted it where mm-hmm. you'd said, well, what about a check? Or what about right. a couple of volunteer hours mm-hmm. here and there? And so I want to encourage you guys to do that. Um, if you can give a little bit of your income um, and give it to a place where you're comfortable that they're going to serve your dollars correctly. Um, or if it's just volunteer hours or whatever it is, we can all um, have a positive effect on our community, our society, our country, the world um, as, as it just expands. And so I'm going to just share this last uh, paragraph that you'd said, which is where you wrote, um, your involvement might help solve a big problem or it may just make someone's day a little brighter. Both are critically important. So that kind of sums all that up. That's absolutely true. And, you know, we, we, we see people in poverty and we know in Michigan that that's a huge percentage of families that are living in, in poverty. Um, we see people who are experiencing homelessness. We see people with addiction issues or with mental health issues. And, you know, even if you're just walking downtown and you pass somebody and you smile and you say, hi, or how's your day? It, it, 
to just extend the um, kindness and the the um, the dignity that you would to anybody else that you didn't know but that you respected. Yeah. And um, I I I've learned so much. Um, like I said, in my own work and in my own service, um, and I. I think I said somewhere in the article about you know just the give the more I give the more I get and it's mm-hmm. so cliche but it's so true. Yeah. I I I I've had the most productive, um, happiest, most fulfilling time in my life and and not just being involved in this project but just plugging into the community mm-hmm. and I, I I would say to any of your listeners that are struggling like what is my sense of purpose and what's my meaning and is is it really just going to work and coming home and you know hanging out on the weekends with my friends or is there something you know more for that for me find a place to plug in sit on a board you know mm-hmm. write a letter to the editor um, advocate stand up um, speak up you know, get yeah. involved it, it will be life-changing yeah that's you know exactly what I'd said where I know for me personally as far as like fulfilling purpose if you're out trying to fulfill that purpose, it's never. It's not going to be this neon sign that says "Go this way" and this is what your purpose is. It's fluid. It changes um, because people change. And um, so, as far as fulfilling purpose, I think a lot of it is just to get started on something, and you're going to find your way. Exactly. So, yeah, that's exactly. What and I said. think it's. I mean, again, I, I I say this in the in the article, but like, go outside your comfort zone. So if there's something that really really peeves you, you know, and it could be something small or it could be something large, but if you're like, you know, that's just not right. We really need to fix this. Be part of the solution. Find a way that you can fix it, or yeah. pull together a couple friends and like-minded people and, and be the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Silly example is when I see shopping carts out in the parking lot. Now that upsets me, but then I wonder it was an elderly person that couldn't quite exactly. so easily get it back or or push it through the snow. But I'll just grab those couple extra carts and put them back in. I figure it helps somebody. So even just minuscule things like that can have an effect. I think. Um, is there any parting words uh, that you want to share, or you can just kind of let people know where they can find? Uh, yes. Yeah, so website? I, I write a, um, just just about a monthly column for the Northern Express, and I've been writing for years. I've got a blog. It's called A Strong Personality, and the blog is a strongpersonality.blogspot.com, and it's got an archive of all my writing in there. It's just a full range of um, topics. I'm really interested in gender equality. I'm interested in community development of homelessness, of course, and also to smart growth and um, new urbanism. So you'll see a lot of different things there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being on. Um, guys, as always, you can find out uh, more about me at facebook.com slash take a cold shower. And then I promise I just spoke with my website developer today. He is on it. We're going to get that website up and running uh, hopefully soon, maybe in the next couple weeks, but don't hold me to that. Um, And then, as always, if you could subscribe and leave a rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye.